Hey, listeners, group social media editor Miranda Schmalf is here. As you may or may not have heard, Fran is no longer with Pharmaceutical Executive, but he will appear in this podcast as it was pre-recorded. Enjoy. Welcome to this episode of the Farm Exec Podcast. I'm Fran Polaro, Senior Editor of the Pharmaceutical Executive Magazine and your podcast host. Farm Exec Magazine is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest commercial insights to master the science of success. On this week's episode, I speak with Trustable's Gerald Kearse, co-founder and CEO, and Andrew Gamino Chong, CTO and co-founder. In our upcoming podcast, we delve into the realm of artificial intelligence, discussing Trustable's mission and its pioneering efforts to ensure ethical AI use, particularly in the pharmaceutical industry and how it navigates complex AI regulations across the globe. We also explore the delicate balance between AI transparency and proprietary protection, Trustable's proactive approach towards AI ethics and the company's strategic roadmap for the future. But first, let's hear a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with the interview. Hi, listeners. Andy Studna, editor of Applied Clinical Trials here. Catch new episodes of the ACT podcast every two weeks on Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern and listen to our previous episodes on AppliedClinicalTrialsOnline.com. So let's get rolling here. How are you guys today? Good, good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Beautiful. Tell me about Trustable, about the roots of the company. I think both of you came from Fiscal Note, if I remember correctly. So tell me a little bit about that and what you aim to achieve going forward with this new venture. Andrew and I have spent most of our careers really at the intersection of, of technology and policy. While at Fiscal Note, we were really applying AI on top of laws and regulations to help primarily enterprises and government agencies really understand how global laws and regulations impacted their business, their sectors. You know, after spending nearly a decade at Fiscal Note as an early stage company all the way through IPO, we obviously got really in depth into this intersection between AI and policy. And there were a couple of trends that we were starting to see in this space that were interesting and, and caught our attention. I think number one, the process for developing and deploying artificial intelligence inside of an organization is changing. For a lot of very regulated large enterprises like pharmaceuticals, like insurance companies, They've had model risk managements, and anytime that AI is being used in a sensitive product or service, they've had some level of assurance or assessment. But in general, what we're now seeing is that the accessibility of these new foundation models is, in, in many ways, democratizing access across the organization. And so the, the risk assessments, the risk management of these systems need to dramatically change. And then the second thing that we're really seeing is that the regulatory environment for AI is dramatically shifting. Right, You have in Europe, the, uh, the EU's Artificial Intelligence Act, the AI Act, which will in many ways serve what GDPR did for data privacy, this will serve for AI Act. It'll most likely be a standard for global AI regulation. It is entering its final negotiations. We expect that to pass by the end of this year, 2023 or beginning of next year. And like that, you're seeing across the world, a whole series of regulations, both horizontal and vertical, that are looking very carefully at how this technology is being used inside of organizations. And so with these two things, we started Trustable really with the goal of helping primarily regulated enterprises govern their AI systems in a collaborative way, be able to connect the AIML teams that are working very actively in these systems with the legal and compliance teams that are focused on enterprise risk management. 
my background has always been actually working at the intersection of AI and policy at Fiscal Note. I was one of our lead machine learning engineers um, building out a core part of our platform. And because we are literally looking at all of the emerging legislation regulations around AI, I remember reading the earliest draft of the EU's AI Act almost two and a half years ago when it was first published, and really thinking through what kinds of tools AI and ML teams would need to help comply with that. And there's actually a big focus on not just the technical parts, but all of the socio-technical aspects of that as well. And those things were rarely documented, rarely considered at the level that they'll have to be for some of these laws. And so really our whole goal was, like Gerald said, to help translate some of the requirements of those different frameworks into actionable steps. And then we started looking at all of the other laws around the world. And actually one of the key things that we're already starting to see is that ethical values are getting baked in into laws in different places. We're already seeing pretty stark differences between, for example, China's policies on generative AI versus what the EU or the US are going to look at. And it's entirely possible that a lot of those things will directly conflict with each other. So mapping out like which applications of AI can be done in which jurisdictions, we think can quickly become actually a fairly complex kind of landscape to navigate. Yeah, absolutely. So how is the US handling it actually? It's a bit of a patchwork, as you can imagine. You know, the U.S.'s approach is, is very much how it traditionally has handled, I, I think, policy in general, which is, you know, self-regulation at first, a little bit more pro-innovation, right? I, I think the two trends that we're seeing across the U.S. are, number one, federal agencies are playing a more active role in regulating AI within their specific jurisdictions, right? So the FDA has put in some guidance as to how it's going to, you know, regulate AI and medical devices. The DOD is doing, looking at it for national security and defense, HHS for healthcare, et cetera. So I think you're starting to see really these industry sector specific regulatory agencies starting to play a more active role in how AI should be used within their jurisdiction. And then the second trend that we're starting to see is state and local activity, right? Different states are starting to bake in laws and regulations within their states that either focus on automated decision-making that focus on a particular industry like Colorado's uh, insurance bill that has you know a lot of insurance companies really scrambling to, to provide documentation and compliance. You see a New York City law that's specific for hiring and discrimination being applied to AI systems and recruiting. So you're starting to see those are the two really trends that we're, that we're seeing across the U.S. It is likely that you know Congress passes some type of law. I think there's general agreement across Democrats and Republicans. The question is really whether it'll have teeth, right? Whether it'll actually get enacted. We're probably a little bit more skeptical about that, but we certainly think that we will see some level of law get introduced in Congress. Pharma is definitely a self-policer. You know, they're, they're nervous about what they put out there. So I know that that's kind of a trend going around with pharma companies. They're a bit skeptical and also want to make sure they're doing the right thing. So with the rapid advancements and wide-ranging applications of AI, how do we ensure the creation and implementation of ethical guidelines that are as dynamic and adaptable as the technology itself? Yeah, I think a good place to start with that is actually just understanding, you know, a lot of the different limitations of these technologies that really informs then what kinds of guidelines and guardrails organizations do need to set up. And, you know, I think there are pretty strong fundamental philosophical questions that actually everyone needs to start answering because you can't just say, we believe in fairness now, which everyone says. You actually have to say, there's dozens of different ways of measuring fairness within an AI model. And deciding which one of those you use might be informed by law, but also might be informed just by your own principles, right? We've already seen similar discussions about fairness in other kinds of debates, whether it's like college admissions, you know, access to different resources. 
And you know, a lot of organizations, are unfortunately, are going to have to actually draw a line and have a defensible argument for why they're optimizing for what they are. But we do think that some of the different ethical values that I mentioned earlier being added to laws might be that maybe over in Europe, you have to optimize for one type of fairness, but in the US, you have to optimize for a different one. And so in a sense right now, that's still very unclear how orgs can do it, but simply being aware that there are so many different ways, understanding the implications of that, that kind of learning can and should start now. And then helping to you know, convert those into actionable steps for AI and ML teams is the next biggest kind of frontier. One of the things we're kind of seeing the most is that a lot of the newest AI isn't actually being necessarily immediately used for pharmaceutical products, but for back office operations about stuff, right? Summarizing and evaluating documents, you know, and then there's a risk of hallucination in some of those models. It's about automating certain kinds of tasks. There are still plenty of risks associated with those, even while research on like how to get something properly FDA approved for a large language model are still being quickly evaluated by the FDA themselves. Given the critical nature of drug discovery and patient safety when talking about pharma, it's such a highly regulated industry. So how can you help pharma companies ensure that their AI tools are not only innovative, but also comply with regulatory requirements, maintain those ethical standards, and foster trust, most importantly, throughout their life cycle from clinical trials to market launch and commercialization? When we think about where does trustable sit in the stack inside of organizations, you know, we're very much helping organizations think about the balance between benefits and risks, right? So our platform literally enables organizations to be able to quantify and qualify benefits and risks of these AI systems in order to make informed judgment-based decisions as to whether systems should be deployed and how they should be deployed. I think, you know, when when we think about what are the main challenges that a lot of pharmaceutical companies and regulated enterprises are experiencing right now is honestly lack of understanding of how the technology works, right? It's you've got these technical experts on the one hand that are building these systems and working through them. And then you've got perhaps these legal compliance, executive business type personas that are excited about the technology, but perhaps don't have the skill sets or the knowledge that are fully there, there to understand how to deploy it in high value use cases. And so one of the main elements that we uh, allow organizations to do is really to collaborate, right? All of these teams need to be in the same room together, need to be working off the same tasks, off the same projects in order to be able to, you know, deploy these systems very quickly. We see that in a lot of cases, building and deploying new models can take months. And that's because a lot of approval processes and documentation requirements are kind of lost in between each of the different cycles, if you will. And so all working on a single platform is incredibly easy to do and, you know, through through our platform. And then the other element on the regulatory side, and I, I would like Andrew to kind of share a little bit more here, is understanding the regulatory environment is incredibly complex, right? You've got multi-jurisdictional obligations, you've got differing obligations, even within the same jurisdictions or different agencies. And so in many ways, what we've done is simplify that process for users on the back end, right? So we take all these laws and regulations, we structure them into specific actions, tasks, workflows, documentation requirements or, or activities that your company needs to be doing in order to be able to comply with a lot of those requirements. I think most notably, because some of these laws and regulations are starting to mature, shall we say, one of the things that we hear consistently from companies is the desire to adopt the NIST AI risk management framework. I think the NIST framework in particular has been adopted as a little bit of the gold standard. It's certainly aspirational. It has a lot of requirements, but at the same time, it is in many ways the best way to kind of think about 
the collaborative elements, the risk management elements, and the documentation elements that your organization needs to set up in order to be able to comply with these future regulations. Yeah, on a almost lower level, um, some of the, the first things that we hear a lot of from different healthcare clients that we've talked to is really actually about your AI supply chain. You know, the biggest actually shifts in AI haven't been necessarily technological so much as like infrastructure and accessibility, right? Anyone now can easily access kind of the world's most powerful AI system and they actually know how to interact with it just by simply writing a sentence. But then the big question becomes, if you're looking to integrate that into some process, what is the data that is used there? How is that data collected? How is that labeled? Is that appropriate for stuff? Sometimes small details about that can have huge implications, particularly in some spaces. For example, ChatGPT, its primary data set only goes up to 2021. You could imagine easily, what if another system only had data through 2019? It would have no concept of COVID. And so you can imagine for any use case of you know, AI and healthcare, any system that has no concept of COVID could immediately be on almost impermissibly high risk to use. But that kind of information isn't, even asking that isn't being done properly. It's not necessarily always well-documented, but really just the whole AI supply chain management problem is the first thing that we are basically able to help organizations solve, even if it's just by saying, here's the questions you should be asking your vendors. Here's the kinds of things that will be relevant for the limitations. The second part really then is on the models themselves. And this is trying to draw the right balance between innovation and kind of oversight particularly how much change to an AI system should trigger what level of kind of reevaluation, retesting, or even regulatory review, right? Adding one row to a billion rows in a training data set can't necessarily shift the entire model too much. And yet that does technically constitute a change to the system, right? So what is the appropriate threshold? If you change now 50% of the data set, clearly that could have massive impacts. And so potentially a full like FDA review of that option for an approved device might be warranted. The FDA, I know, has put out some good guidelines, but then helping to actually implement those guidelines and say, here's the exact set of changes to a model that should trigger different levels of a review. That's what becomes actionable for groups. And that's the kind of guidance that we can help organizations with. Nice. So pharma is certainly an international business. So how does a platform like yours help companies navigate the complex landscape of AI regulation across different countries, cultures? particularly given the differing priorities, like you mentioned before, with the EU and China and the US, all different kinds of governments that behave in different ways. Actually, the mapping of multiple different laws all into one kind of general format was the origin of our entire idea. And so the way we do things is we help you identify like what is the normalized set of information you should be tracking about your AI use cases, about your different models, your data sets, even your vendor risk things. And then we have done the work of mapping that data to then the different requirements in some different laws. So one law says, hey, you need to check your data for X. Another law says, hey, you need to check it for Y. You know, and we can say like, all right, if you fill up this field in our platform and you answer these questions, we can map it and then help you generate the exact report that shows that you've properly answered both of those. And so from there, basically by using like our kind of normalized system, you can easily identify how in compliance you are with a lot of different frameworks. Now, obviously this will shift and evolve over time. And there, like we said before, potentially be some mutually exclusive provisions. But right now, actually a big value prop for us is that as these new laws are coming out, we can easily help map their requirements to what you've already done to actually reduce the incremental workload, especially if you are moving them between different jurisdictions or as the regulatory environment shifts. Yeah. And I think one thing that is unique about AI as a policy topic in comparison to other maybe technology or digital policies is 
every country around the world is having a very strong opinion of what AI policy needs to look like. And what we expect is within the next, let's call it one to three years, a large amount of regulations being introduced all across the world, all with differing requirements. And so again, the, the complexity and the patchwork of regulations and what this means for businesses and how they operate is going to be incredibly important. So that's why we talk about fill at once, comply at scale, right? There are a lot of overlaps with some of these regulatory requirements, basic documentation, understanding of the risks of these systems, who is the owner of these systems, and you know how are these processes developed, right? A lot of these regulations focus more on the process and the people than they do in the technology because the technology is evolving. But governments know how to regulate process and people, right? And that's really where we're seeing a lot of these efforts evolve. Seems incredibly helpful. <laughs> so in an era where AI is increasingly making decisions and significantly impacting individuals and communities, how do we balance that need for AI transparency with protecting proprietary information and avoiding overwhelming users with complex details? Yeah, I think it's it's a question everyone is asking for themselves. I do think disclosure that AI is being used is almost guaranteed to be present. We've seen that universally across most frameworks around it. Now, the question of what level of detail in there is very much a good one. We are seeing a lot of groups turning towards kind of having an audit done by then a trusted confidential party as kind of the way to balance that, right? And this is what we see in the financial space where you can get certified audited results without having to then share like all of your open books with the public necessarily. We are seeing a lot of interest in that kind of approach towards that end. And obviously all of the large AI players themselves might actually prefer that compared to this, the disclosures. On the flip side, we can also see the different certifications kind of coming up from different third-party groups around share with us this stuff, or if you disclose this information, we'll even give you a, a transparency grade around this, right? And a lot of organizations are willing and able to be pretty transparent about that stuff because they're finding good ways of building their own defensive moats in other ways, whether it's, you know, they can disclose details about their training data set without sharing the training data set itself and also share you know, we see a lot of models becoming very commoditized very quickly anyway. So saying that you're using a model with certain things, it's going to become pretty commonplace and therefore disclosing it will be kind of the right approach anyway. Yeah. And I think transparency is not a goal in and of itself. Trust is the goal uh, and transparency is a way to gain trust. And so I think organizations need to really be thinking almost in first principles. How do we ensure that our use of AI is trusted by our consumers, by our patients, by stakeholders, and really work backwards from there? You know, we've seen some reports that, in essence, the more transparency that is provided and how the AI system works, actually, the less it is trusted. Because then people start questioning the inputs that went into the model or, you know, the logic or the judgment that was uh, used in the decision. And so not transparency doesn't necessarily equal better outcomes. And so I think organizations, companies really need to be thinking carefully about how do we make sure that we're gaining trust with stakeholders? In some cases, that is transparency into how those systems work. In some cases, it is disclosure. In some cases, it is observability. In some cases, it is building a brand that is trusted. In some cases, it might be third-party assessments. So I think companies really need to think about trust and how do you work backwards from developing trust with your partners. So as we strive to harness the benefits of AI responsibly, how can a platform like yours empower organizations to proactively identify potential ethical and legal pitfalls rather than just reacting when the issues arise? So there's a big focus in kind of the AI governance and AI safety space on responsible by design. That really means doing risk assessments, not just at the end, not as things come in, 
but through every step of the process in proposing and developing a new AI kind of product or, or even use case. So what that really means, and actually the first step in our platform, for example, is helping organizations do an initial risk assessment. So you might just have an idea and a problem that you're trying to solve, and maybe a very general idea of like, hey, we know we have some of this data or there's this model and this approach. We just want to explore whether that works. Even at that stage, connecting then with a broader group of stakeholders, whether that's an ethics committee, your legal team, cybersecurity and privacy as like typical stakeholders in this, each of them can talk about the different kinds of risks around both that problem and around the general kind of business goal that they can kind of foresee potentially being an issue. Identifying those upfront then actually creates a pretty clear set of tasks for the AI and ML developers to kind of address during their development. So that way you're not at the end of things, you know, maybe it's at the end of a year of development, you're trying to retroactively identify, you know, what kinds of risks are in something, but you've identified the risks upfront and then made risk mitigation just part of the actual development of the model from the very beginning. And so that's what a lot of the laws are actually looking for proof of. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, we can help make efficient. Yeah. And I think, you know, going back to one of the things that we mentioned earlier on, which is this notion of skills and knowledge on how these AI systems work. You know, part of the reason software like uh, us exist is I don't necessarily love this branding, but I'm going to say it anyway, a little bit of like a consulting in a box, right? You know, organizations are trying to understand what questions do I need to ask in order to properly understand what these risks are? How do I know how to engage with my technical counterparts to make sure that I am documenting correct information, to make sure that I am assessing the right mitigation steps, that I am, you know, performing the right testing and validation processes, right? That's where, in essence, we've kind of distilled these best practices, these frameworks into these actionable steps that, you know, technical and non-technical teams can use to collaborate, to really take control of the governance of these systems in order to build trust with their customers, stakeholders, partners. You know, it's such an exciting time in terms of like growth with this AI and everybody's using it. Like an organization like yours seems like it'd be very helpful to an industry that's so highly regulated like pharma. So. Tell us what's next for Trustable. What do you see happening in a year, two years, three years down the road, both in general and with pharma specifically would be really nice. So we're really focused on enabling regulated enterprises like pharmaceuticals, uh, companies like insurance, like banks, financial services institutions, really get a hold of what are these regulations mean for the operations of my business and how do I make sure that I'm gaining trust? And so We'll continue to build capabilities to really support the requirements of a lot of these regulatory or these laws that are getting enacted across the country and so or across the world. And so that means how do we understand what and where AI is being used across the organization? How do we measure the benefits and the risk of these systems? How do we mitigate the potential risks? How do we create disclosures in an automated fashion? How do we allow for incident responses to be documented inside of our platform? How do we connect with the existing systems that you're currently using, whether those are your machine learning systems, where a lot of your AI teams are working on a day-to-day -day basis, or whether those are your GRC or ERP type platforms, where you're really thinking about what are the enterprise requirements for my business are. And so for us, we really want to be able to support, we want to be the governance layer for a lot of these organizations, really thinking about how do we enable these systems to actually be deployed for innovation purposes while making sure that trust is at the foundation of how they're built and designed. Yeah. In addition, while a lot of the early laws here are focusing kind of on very horizontal use of AI across a lot of different places, we do expect a lot of the regulatory agencies to start getting kind of more prescriptive and clear about specific use cases and guidelines around that. 
we're already seeing this sometimes at some of the state level or some state level agencies around like life insurance. I've already started being more prescriptive about the kinds of things that should go into specific use cases of AI in order to prove kind of fairness or non-discrimination. So we do think just as regulators and the industry themselves are learning more about the risks and safety aspects, that there'll be further clarity on that front, which we can help organizations basically adopt. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate you sharing your time and insights. And it definitely, it seems like we should work on another piece of content. I don't know, in like three to six months, we can even do like an article or another podcast or something. I know it's just constantly changing. So pleasure having you. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Farm Exec Podcast, where we take you behind the headlines to provide expert tips from industry leaders. Remember, you can always find us on the web at farmexec.com, on Twitter, at farmexec, on Instagram, at farmexecutive, and on YouTube, Pharmaceutical Executive Magazine. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of Farmexec, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions or to get in touch with the editors, please email us at farmexec.com at mjhlifesciences.com. For sponsorship opportunities, please go to farmexec.com backslash advertise. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.